0: You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us.
1: Good morning, church. I know me being up here has you thinking I'm preaching today. I'm not, actually. Surprise! (laughs) But I do have the privilege of doing an intro for our uh, guest speaker today. I think uh, some of you might know him. He was in the West region for many years. Uh, born originally in the Ivory Coast. Uh, He served as an evangelist in different places, such as Dayton and Las Vegas. Um, He's a very dear friend who I met in Vegas a couple years back. And um, I guess I can say without further ado, I give you Mr. Tino Saya.
2: I don't know about all that, but I'll take it. Thanks for the encouragement. Good morning, church. It is great to see everybody this morning. I could not be more elated. I could not be more excited. Uh, I, you know, I knew I was going to come at some point. I contacted Steve, my, my, my amazing big brother, uh, and he gave me this opportunity here alongside everybody here uh, to be able to address you guys this morning. And I am absolutely honored. I have spoken everywhere in this world. But when you come back home to preach the word of God, there is nothing better amen nothing better Uh, I would like to show you a picture of my family uh, if the slide can show because I want you to know uh, what you have done uh, to partake in my growth I moved to America in 1996 August of 96 I was 18 years old I'm now 45 I know it doesn't show amen But, you know, uh, 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 my my, my family, I have a beautiful wife, I have two beautiful children, uh, and to God be the glory for that. Because I went through a journey in order to get to where I'm at. I had to discover so much more about myself, yes, about my strengths, but notably about my weaknesses. God had to show me who I am before him and before his people, but even more so before myself. And today, I'm an evangelist serving uh, alongside some of the staff over there in in Atlanta, Georgia at Bridgepoint Church. Amen. Uh, And to God be the glory for that. I'm not sure the picture is showing, but if it's not, amen. uh, You'll be able to see that at some point. Um, I would like for us to go ahead and bow our heads. We're going to say a word of prayer. Dear Father God, thank you. Thank you for this amazing morning. We are... Utterly blessed to have one another. Father, we know that we are called to worship you on a daily basis. And so many times that means that we need to be with one another. Because you say yourself that the body is your very body. The church is your very body. Father, one another in this room represents you as a whole. When we have one another, we have you. And we come before you, Father God, this morning to worship only you, my God. We pray that you open our minds and that your name can be glorified this morning. Father, whatever comes out of my mouth, Father, I dearly pray that it comes from your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your son Christ who died on the cross, Father, who... Uh, was buried and resurrected on that third day. Something that we don't just celebrate on Easter every year, but every single day of our lives. In his the very name we pray, amen. amen. Church is hard. Church is hard for the person walking through the doors afraid of judgment. Church is hard. It's hard for the pastor. Pastor. And for his family under the microscope of an entire body. Church is hard. It's hard for the prodigal soul returning home, broken and battered by the world. Church is hard for the girl who looks like she's had it all together, but simply doesn't. Church is hard. For the couple who fought the entire ride to church. My wife is not here, so this doesn't apply to me. We never fight, you know. There you go. So that's, you know, forget me. My beautiful wife. My two little boys. Uh, Miles is the tallest there. His His name is Miles. He's seven. Sean is a little guy. His name is five. And my baby sister uh, is in Baton Rouge. I had just preached in Baton Rouge that day. So we took a picture picture there. So that's my beautiful family, guys. Y'all did that. Y'all did that. Church is hard for the single mom surrounded by couples holding hands and seemingly perfect families. Church is hard for the widow and the widower with no invitation to lunch after church. Church is hard for the deacon with an estranged child. These these are various scenarios that we encounter in church that we forego a lot. Church is hard for the person singing worship songs, overwhelmed by the weight of the lyrics. Have you ever been there, church? You just can't have it when you sing sometimes. Church is hard for the man insecure in his role... As a leader, church is hard for the wife who longs to be led by a righteous man. Church is hard. It's hard for the nursery volunteer who desperately longs for a baby to love. Church is hard for the single woman and single men praying God brings them a mate. Church is hard for the teenage girl wearing a scarlet letter, ashamed of her mistakes. Church is hard for the sinners. Church is hard for me. It's hard because on the outside, it all looks shiny and perfect. Sunday best in behavior and dress. However, underneath those layers, you find a body of imperfect people. Carnal souls, selfish motives. You feel encouraged this morning? Amen. (laughs) Church, I, I read this because I believe that reality ought to set in sometimes when it comes to church. It's not always fine and dandy. It's not always rosy. Now, you know what? I'm from SoCal. I lived here for 20 years. I know about image. I know about the smiles. I know about the clothing. I know about the cars that we drive. The homes that we live in. This is not an indictment. It's just a piece of reality. And I pray that this morning we take all that out. You know, the very first president of my country used to say that the truth is only beautiful when she is naked. Take all that stuff out. It's okay to be bare this morning. Because the Lord is about to dress you with something better. And to Him be the glory for that. Our God is an awesome God. Let's go to John chapter 21. You know, of course, as I understand, there's been a great series uh, that we call, of course, uh, Dining with uh, Christ. And uh, you know, there's been various lessons, I've followed some sermons on Zoom, online, on, on, on YouTube, uh, more notably. It's been amazing what an amazing uh, fit to be able to talk about Christ as, as a human being. You know, something that's amazing about Christ is that he was not a demi-god. He was not Perseus. He was 100 percent God, yet 100 percent human. He felt each and every vibe that you feel, every pain that you feel, every feeling you have, everything that I feel on a daily basis, he felt. And to him be the glory for that. John 21. You know, at this point, Christ of course has already died, buried, resurrected. And the disciples are a little bit confused. Some are perhaps given up. We know, of course, that prior to that, three years before that, Christ is calling the first disciples on the seashore, and he tells them, come, and I will make you into fishers of men. Remember that, brothers and sisters? Yeah. Remember when God called you and you felt inspired? He told you, I will make you into a fisher And he gave you this very cause, this purpose to live for. Were you fired up around that time? If you are discovering about Jesus today, cherish this time. Because it's not always that it says amazing. There's battles that come through later. Cherish this time so you can use this memory for later. It's an amazing time. I remember when I became a disciple, I was 15 years old, making Jesus the Lord of my life in front of a crowd of witnesses in West Africa, Abidjan, Ivory Coast. I told God, you know, I will never look back. I would give you the entirety of my life. I had studied the Bible before at the age of 14, yes, young, but understanding what the Bible was, what right was from wrong. Got sick, became very ill with malaria, gave up the studies, decided I'm just gonna do my thing. And God was like, you know what? I got something for you. I got sick. Horrible case of malaria. Kicked my tail. Started eating up on my kidneys. Could barely move. Would go urinate and it was, it was just black, thick substance coming out of my body. Not knowing what it was. I had to go to the doctor and realizing it was pure blood that I was urinating. Because my kidneys were malfunctioning. I remember going in a coma, coming out of the coma and telling God, you saved my life. And I make you two promises. I will give you the entirety of it. And I will never look back. I was in the hospital for 11 days. It took for brothers and sisters from the church in Abidjan Ivory Coast. The very church that I had denied, that I had rejected. For them to come to the hospital... And to give me blood. I live today because there is foreign blood in my veins. I remember how excited I was when Jesus told me, I will make you into a fisher of men. Remember those words? Those are some revolutionary words. I will make you into a fisher of men. What does that mean? It sounds great. Well, in this, after three years... Don't follow those directions, follow the Lord's directions. Amen. Come on, Tito. You, get ready for lunch. you know. i tell you. Come on, Tito. <laughs> Three years later, Jesus has died. Yes, he has resurrected, but these disciples are, are empty. If you know, this, this guy did amazing things. He called us. We gave up our lives, our livelihoods. We followed him. For three years, we saw him do amazing things. He healed people. He resurrected people, for crying out loud. People would just touch his cloak and we get healed. This man was amazing. We thought he was the guy. How did he die so atrociously and weakly? What happened? They were demoralized. They were hurt. As much as Christ himself felt forsaken by God, they may have felt embedded by him. Forsaken by him. That very dream was gone all of a sudden, they felt. So Christ, you know, reappears after a few times on the seashore here one morning. These guys have decided, instead of fishing for people, we're going to go back to our old lives and fish for fish. Remember when you were excited at the beginning? Do you feel sometimes like it gets too crazy? You want to go back to your old life? You feel abandoned sometimes by Christ? It looks a little bit easier on the other side. Let me, let, let me go back to that. They went back to fishing for fish. Bible says here, John chapter 21, 12 and 13. Jesus said to them, come and have what? Breakfast. My goodness, this is good. This is good food. Breakfast, man. Y'all see, I'm a big man. I love eating. I'm working on it, down. You know, don't judge me. I know y'all be judging people. I, you, know, you know, let's not go there. Let's not go there. You know. Um, you know what's, what's funny is that, is that back in my country, big is good. If you go to if you go to my country, you big, you are revered. You are respected, you are loved, you are wanted, you are good looking. Right? And, and, and I'm going to tell you, as we laugh, it is true that it's funny, but let me tell you the reality behind that. Because it's hard to find big folks back home. Because there's no food to eat, people are poor, there's no money. Only in America when you're big, it's a derogatory term. Old is good back home. In America, old is like, oh, you know, I got to do Botox and all that stuff. I want to look, you know, a certain way. No. Old is good back home. You are respected, honored, revered. He says, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. Remember that this was not the first time that Christ was doing that. We love to talk about this setting as if it was just pre-cross, pre-Christ suffering. Jesus was doing that all the time. We know, of course, that here he had multiplied the fish. Things became so crazy they could not catch fish anymore. After throwing the net in one side, Christ was like, throw it in the other side. Throw it on my side. When was the last time you threw your net on Jesus' side? Sometimes I find myself throwing the net on the wrong side, on my side. I don't catch anything. Christ said, calm yourself down. I got a solution for you. Throw it on my side. They threw it on the side of Christ and they could not catch. There were too many fish. And the Bible says that they were big fish. Big fat fish. Good fat. Man, I don't know what kind of breakfast that is. I must have been a big, big, a big breakfast. That's a lot of fish. He said, come and have breakfast with me. You see, Christ understood, you know, back home, when it comes to breakfast, and I'm sure it's the case here as well, of course, as I've lived here for 27 years now, you know, breakfast is a time of, uh, of, 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 of awakening. You, you, you wake up, you, you're trying to kind of figure out what the day is going to be like. You may be in a bad mood, man, I don't want to go to work. I'm just not feeling like it. I was talking to my, to my, to my friend the other day. He works gra- graveyard shifts. He's like, man, I, I don't feel like going to work tonight. And he was trying to kind of make up excuses for it. I was like, I'm not going to get into that. You make your own decision. Don't come and get me later. <laughs> we don't want to go to work. I don't want to go to school. I don't want to do all these things. I want to chill. And so breakfast is a time when you can have these sort of kind of real conversations at the table. It's one of of those times when you can kind of, you know, connect. And Christ understood that. He was about to have a real conversation with some of these guys. And he knew, you know what, let's do that in a breakfast setting. Let's do that in a breakfast setting. Let's go to our first point, which would bring our first slide. Agape versus philos. You know, God bless me. I'm uh, right now engaging a, in a master's program in theological studies. I'm studying a lot of Greek. Uh, my Greek one class two semesters ago, I had a C plus. Don't judge me. Because I'm gonna tell you, a C plus is great for me. That Greek is no joke. And then Greek too, which is supposed to be harder. I had a B+. Plus. Go ahead and applaud. It's okay. You can, yeah, you know. I, I need the encouragement. <laughs> and I learned some of these terms. John 21, 15 to 17. The Bible says when, when they had finished eating, they're all full and ready to go and happy. Now they can go and do their thing. They can go back to fish. Jesus said, this is the time to have a real conversation. When they are finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? How dare he? He just denied Jesus three times. How can you be hurt? What are you talking about hurt? (laughs) What what, what are you talking about? He only asked you a question three times. You denied him three times. We can be like that. We can be like that with one another. Someone did something to you, you all jacked up about it, but you forgot what you did to somebody else. Right? When it comes to one anothering, how we interact with each other. Let's not forget that as we are with each other, we are with God himself. His very body. Agape versus philos. He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. You know, I I recently wrote an exegetical paper. It's a big word for really nothing. (laughs) It simply means that you, 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 you read an entire passage contextually, historically, culturally from the scriptures. And you draw something specific out of it that has gotten you. And you write a thesis about it. And for me, it was this because I, I've been wondering all these years, what's up with all these questions Jesus is asking him? Do you love me? Why did he have to ask him three times? Ask her, you know. After Peter responded to him the first time, yes, yes, I do. And I came up with all kinds of stuff at first. You know, maybe Jesus didn't trust him anymore. Yeah, that sounds revolutionary, right? You know what? Christ was just like us. He has all these feelings. He gets hurt as well. Maybe he was tempted with not trusting Peter. This is even crazier. Maybe, maybe he had not forgiven Peter. You ever thought about that? Christ not forgiving somebody. That sounds kind of crazy. Yeah, it is because he, he forgives. That's what he does best. So that wasn't that. You know, we, we, did, we did our great class. We started talking. And each student was just discussing it. It just came together slowly but surely after three hours worth of class before I started writing my paper. That when Christ said, do you love me more than this? Is what I was bypassing. Because, because Peter, Peter's answer was never, yes, I love you more than this. It was just, I love you. The more than this completely changed the landscape of the conversation. Do you love me more than these? In Greek, it's a kind of love that is described as the word agape. You may have heard it. The general loving God more than anything else. Christ was asking him, do you love me more than anything? And Peter was responding, yes, I love you as a friend, as a best friend, as a brother, in fact. I phileo you. Philos. Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. I love you as a brother. Cross was like, yeah, yeah, I know all that. We did all these things together. We lived together for three years. We became best friends. You were crazy. I saw the things that you did. Negative, positive, everything. We became like brothers. I know we have that already. That's not what I'm talking about. I don't just, at this point, now that I've resurrected from the dead... Want to be loved as your brother only. I want to be loved as your Lord, the Lord of your life. Do you love me more? And Peter kept responding, Yes, I love you. And so, because he wasn't understanding what Peter wasn't getting it, now Christ had to explain more. Feed my sheep. Feed my lamb. Do you love me like the Lord of your life? And I want to reiterate, this may sound very elementary. Been there, done that, we've heard it all. It gets redundant, feels repetitive. The same old, same old, same old. Yet I'm not sure sometimes, especially those of us who are already Christians who have been doing the life for a while if we, if we truly get it. I know it's hard for me sometimes. As an evangelist, I preach the word of God. I, I have the, the blessing to convey his word all over the world. In the U.S. and outside of it. And I tend sometimes to sort of kind of put together my my, my life as a minister with my life as a Christian. I tell myself, if I'm a good minister, I'm a good Christian. There could not be anything further from the truth. Because I can find myself neglecting my walk with God. In fact, lately I feel like it's been so. Have you have you been in a place where you, you miss you miss God? It's like, man, you know, there's something that it's not just that he's not in my I, I I miss him. I, I, want, I, I want him. I want something different. I'm tired of the same old stuff. I want to take my wife we got to another level. Funny thing is, if if I miss God, it's not because God is not there. It's because I don't show up. I keep flaking on God. Have you ever been flaked on before? No. Yeah. That's, that's a blessing. Yeah, being flaked on. Yeah. It's coming. I went to my country a few years ago. I was supposed to hang out with a friend. We decided we are going to meet at a, you know, in front of a pharmacy at 3 p.m. 3, 3 I would already been living in the U.S. maybe about 15 years at that point, so I'm all Americanized. And I'm showing up on time. <laughs> I'm showing up like 15 minutes early, so I'm okay, you know, okay I got, you know. I told my taxi to leave, I should have told him to stay. Good. Three comes, then there. Three or five, three, ten, you know, us Americans, you know, we even count one minute, one, two minutes, three minutes, five minutes. Yo, you late ten minutes, you in trouble. They didn't show up until until 4 30 p.m., which is good because 6 should have been it. I had already left. And when I called them to ask them what happened, they were like, oh, yeah, you know, I had something to do. But you know what? You want to meet again? Let's just kind of move on and just kind of. Why? Because you know what? Back home, time. eh. People have bigger problems than time. They got to eat. They got to figure out, what am I going to do today to feed my family? So if showing up late is going to be an issue, eh, you know, they don't even think about that. Time is not even, if you go to the villages, it's even worse. There's no time in the villages. You don't know when 4 p.m., you just read the sun. <laughs> <laughs> but I felt offended. I felt flaked on. <laughs> How many times have I flaked on God? Brothers and sisters, I am not talking about your proverbial 30-minute quiet time a day. You can have that. I'm talking about that connection, that thing, that it. Yeah, you know how many times I had those quiet times and I just didn't feel nothing? Just go about my day, check mark, I'm feeling good. And it's that thing that's missing. And for me, I feel like it's been that. I want something different. Something special. I want to take my walk with God to a whole nother level. I pray for that. I pray that God shows me that I have an epiphany. He shows me what that means. What it is. I don't even know what it means. I want to agape Jesus. I have come to a point in my life after almost 30 years of being a Christian... Where I see Jesus more as a brother. He's my big brother in, Jesus, in, in, in God. And we say that a lot, right? He's our big brother. And he went on in front of, you know, ahead of us to, to set everything up for us like, like any good big brother would do. I forget the lordship of Jesus. I forget the day I got baptized in my parents' bathtub. I was skinny enough then to fit that bathtub, by the way. And my big brother, Hervé Florent, and my father in the faith put me in that water and I came out. And before getting in that water, I uttered, I screamed vigorously, Jesus is Lord. I meant it. I was not becoming a Christian because of my parents. Today, there are more than 32 members of my family who have become disciples. Yeah. My mother was the first. In 1991, I have 10 siblings. Nine of the 11 of the 11 of us have become disciples. Yeah. Cousins, uncles, my grandparents on both sides. My great-grandmother, Mama K, who used to be a member of the West here, right. awesome. became a disciple before she passed. I did not become a disciple because of all that. It's because I proclaim Christ as the Lord of my life. And I want that back, brothers and sisters. Help me out. Ask me questions. Tell me what you're doing so I can do the same. It's time to agape Jesus. Go back to the basics. It's time for you and I to go back home tonight. To have that prayer and to proclaim Christ the Lord of our lives once again. Yeah. This is all being had over breakfast. My goodness. Well, that's, that's, That was amazing. Our second and last point. We're going to read the same scripture. See what's great about the Bible, especially if you really want to engage in researching it. Is that. You can read one scripture over and over and you're going to get thousands of different things. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Of course, you can put the, the second slide there, which is take care of my people. There you go. Take care of my people. Jesus said... Feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Third time, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him, third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Christ has summoned Peter to open up things when he came to the church starting. Remember that? He was given the keys to the kingdom. Which meant that he was, he was assigned this duty to take care of the people in and outside the church. To preach the word. Right. And now, Peter was back to fishing. In fact, that day when he was fishing, he told his fellow guys who had followed him this whole time before. Come, you know, let's just go fi- I'm going to go fish. Y'all want to come with me? They say, oh yeah, we'll we'll go with you. He was not leading them back to their old lives. It wasn't just himself. He was taking them with him. Jesus had to tell them, if you claim to truly love me, take care of my land. Those guys who are following you, there is a reason why. I gave you the keys. Take care of my sheep. Feed them. Give them something to look out for. Something to munch on on a daily basis. Yes, scripturally, but through your life. How is the one anothering in our church today? Do we take care of one another? September, I believe, twenty. 12, 2013 maybe, maybe a little bit before that, I'm at work, Malibu, California, work at the bank, and there's a baptism coming up that evening, this was a Friday, and I know I'm going to make it there, work ends at 6, baptism is at 7, I'm in Malibu, baptism is here in Manhattan Beach. Forget fast in a few years, I became like a freaking just, I mean, my car became like a Porsche. Cutting everybody off. Oh, yeah. Don't do that. I had to make it to that baptism. I get to Manhattan Beach, I realize there's no parking. No problem. I'm just going to pay the ticket. Park illegally. Because at that point, I got to get out. And now run down to the baptism to the beach. Right. I remember getting out of the car. Taking my shoes off. And running down as fast as I could. I was leaner leader back then. I could do it. <laughs> and by the time I was making to the baptism. I told the mother of the sister getting baptized. Make sure that you don't share until I get there. <laughs> Ashika was getting baptized that day. I love you too, baby. That's that's my baby sister. And I was going to make it there. And I did. And I shared. And I paid a ticket. Amen. I don't have no debt. I've been taken care of here by so many people. Davida took care of me so many times in difficult times. So many people here. In some of the hardest times in my life. Red and Martini. I love you guys. You took care of me. You took care of the lamb. You took care of the sheep. I'm not sure if today I would cut people off to make it to a baptism. I would probably try to zoom it. But in all seriousness, that perhaps means that I just don't want to take care of the people like I used to. Do we take care of one another? Are we willing to go to crazy strength, crazy length to take care of each other? Like we perhaps used to at some point. That's agape. That's taking care of each other. In conclusion, I want to show this slide here. So what you see right there is what we call in French couché. Ricochet literally means laid rice. Like the rice has been laid, been laid on a bed. Rice. It's just a, an analogy, okay? Why? Because this is something that was cooked earlier that day and was left in the kitchen, not in the in the in the fridge, just left right there on the stove, and marinated all night. Mm. Ricochet is usually what's breakfast for us back home. If we don't want to engage in the sort of kind of bread and you know choc- you know hot chocolate and all stuff so our last scripture John 21 18 to 19 it says very truly I tell you when you were younger you dressed yourself and went where you wanted but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter will glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. See, so he was telling Peter, you know what? You were younger at some point. Now you are old. Things have to marinate. You have to be better. Breakfast in the African is so much better because it's marinated over the night. Have we marinated all these years? Or are we still good old Josh Moe? After all these years. See, if you are discovering Christ now, if you have just become a Christian, enjoy this time. Because you just are fresh. And you're going to go through a time of marinating. If you've been around for a while, have you marinated? Christ said, you know, you're going to marinate to the point of death. It may not be physical death here. It may not be someone killing you because of your faith. That doesn't happen in the U.S. We have a bigger death, the death to ourselves. Especially in Southern California. It's so hard to die to ourselves, isn't it? There's so much to live for materially. And to deny ourselves, to get rid of the selfishness, it's a constant battle. And Christ said over breakfast, I'm here to marinate you. I'm going to help you marinate. Use me as that marinating. Brothers and sisters, as we close on out, I want to thank you for having partaken in my growth. I have marinated because you helped me. You were the salt. You were the pepper. You were the, you know, all that other stuff. The New Orleans stuff. The, you know, the cayenne. And everything else. I don't like garlic, but all right. Yeah, you know. That that, that works. And today I want you to look at each other. You've helped each other do this. You've helped the youngsters who are now singing here on stage, who used to be teenagers, who are serving. You got heroes. Like Brian Craig. Who are still marinating on a daily basis. Let's... Let's let's marinate every single day. Amen. Let's keep having breakfast together. Amen. To God be the glory.
1: Can I get one more round of applause for Tino Saya. That man loves the word of God. Yeah. And I think it's very apparent this morning. Thank you, brother, for uh, challenging us, encouraging us. That was nothing short of incredible. The Holy Spirit worked this morning, so thank you, brother. Thank you. That being said, if I could have uh, Julio and Jackie come, uh, Jackie Quintanilla come to the stage real quick. This is bittersweet. Because um, I have a doppelganger, right, in Julio? <laughs> <laughs> but... Funny story, one time his, uh, the youngest daughter Ezra grabbed my leg because she thought I was dad. But, you know. But in the spirit of Highlander, if you know that reference, there can be only one. So we can't have two people that look just like us. <laughs> the Quintanias are moving to Las Vegas. They are. So I know. I, I tried to stop them, but the Lord made it very clear that this was the case um and so this will be their final service on sunday so yes so please uh anything you want to sh- uh, say to them today please do so and there'll be a small intimate gathering um at our house after this but i just want to express uh my sincere love uh appreciation for your partnership in the gospel for your friendship um i've we have spent many a sundays uh, at their house just talking shooting the breeze um the conversations the 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 depth of relationship, your desire, both of you to please God, it's so obvious. Your, the sincerity of your faith is so clear, and I've had just the blessing, my wife and I, of being able to spend time with you both, and I can't share enough. Uh, I mean, I don't get too emo right now, but I, I don't know how to fully express what your friendship means to us. And uh, I want you to be very clear that we are with you every step of the way as you're in Vegas. Uh, Let's make sure we keep those lines open. But I have a a wonderful plant for that house and a gift card as well that we'd like to give to you right now. So that being said, I'm trying not to cry. So Julio's going to do communion. And here you go. Before I start,
3: Jackie wants to say a few words.
0: I just want to take one more look, not for the last time, because we will be visiting. But, um, you know, this has got to be the, from all the times that we've been up here, um, for me it's never easy, but this has got to be the most difficult time, just because I know that, um, I don't know when we're going to be here again um and uh we are going to miss you guys so much um we made great friendships and uh we've we were baptized in the spanish ministry 12 years ago and uh we've been so blessed uh, that even though we've uh, moved um, through uh, two other ministries and then this was our third one that all the friendships that we've made, they've remained. It doesn't matter how long we go without seeing them; it's always like we never stopped seeing each other, because that's how you know uh, deep the relationships are and how how dearly we hold them to our hearts. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to miss you guys. <laughs>
3: Uh, we're going to have to jump right into this because I'm going to melt away into a puddle of tears. So if you guys could join me, I'm gonna, we're going to go over two passages. The first one is in John 13, verse 1. <clears throat> it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Okay? Now if you could jump with me to Luke chapter 22. And verse 14. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant, and my blood which just pour it out for you. But the hand of him who was going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to the man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which one of them it might be who would do this. All right? So, uh, you know, before we we go into this, just to let you know a little bit about how my mind works, right, and how I see things. So, I'm the type of guy that when I'm seeing like a good series on TV, I have to like understand everything that's going on. Context, subtext, if I miss a word, this drives my wife crazy, I have to rewind, hear it again. Uh, I I even throw on the subtitles, just in case I, I don't wanna misunderstand something, right? exactly exactly so it's kind of fascinating when I you know when I when I read this right I try to understand like okay, what's going on how would I have acted if I was there because it's interesting right because I don't know about you but in a lot of like Mexican homes when you grow up um, by the dining table there's like a big picture of the Last Supper and that's kind of what we see like a bunch of older dudes uh, and we know that's not the case right like um, Jesus, as we know, started his ministry when he was 30, and most of his disciples were probably around that 20, 30-year-old range, Uh, John probably being the youngest at around 20. So these are some young cats, right? Like, what some of us long in the tooth would would consider kids. These are like kids, and it's just fascinating what was going through their head. Uh, Like, when he says the stuff about the body and his blood, I mean, we know, right, what's going to happen, that Jesus is about to be crucified. But what were they thinking at that time? Like, your body, your blood, what are you talking about, Jesus? Like It must have been a little bit confusing.
2: Soil,
3: right? Exactly. <laughs> or in the beginning, where he starts washing their feet. Uh, that was, you know, customary, right? When uh, it was a, a way to show your hospitality, Uh, You know, you arrive at somebody's house, they would bring the water basin out, and uh, you you would either wash your feet, or if you you had a little bit of money, maybe you had some servants, they would go and help you wash your feet. But never the the male host, right? Especially someone with authority that you looked up to. That must have been really weird. I mean, I was thinking about it like, uh, just imagine fellas, like, if Steve Marici invited us to his house, right, for a meeting... We take off our shoes and he bust out with a towel and a bucket of water and soap. We'd be like, What's going on? Like, is this a, a Jedi mind trick? Is this the way? And we know that's what Peter thought. Peter was freaking out. He was like, Jesus, like, no, like, you, you can't. And Jesus tells him, You got to let me do this. I'm trying to teach you something, there's a lesson here. We know Peter couldn't have been the only one having these thoughts. He was just the only one that the gospels mentioned. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I think about Judas. What was Judas thinking? He's about to, you know, betray Jesus after being with him for three years. He's about to betray him. What's he thinking when Jesus is washing his feet? Is he having a, a change of heart? Like what's going on? Right? It, it just, I just go down this. Uh, uh, whole. Uh, just thinking about this, um, what was Jesus thinking? Yeah. Right, what was Jesus thinking? Yeah. This is the Last Supper. In a few moments, he knows what's coming, right? He knows Peter, right? His right hand man is about to betray him three times, deny him three times. He knows that Judas is going to betray him, literally. He knows the rest of them are going to just run away and abandon him, and yet he washes their feet. I would assume, imagine with so much love, almost like a mother bathing her baby, because later on when he talks about the man who's going to betray him, they don't even know who he's talking about, because he's showing no difference to how he's treating everybody. You know, I don't know what I would have done in that point if I was Jesus, right? I don't know if I would have been tempted to kind of like squeeze the foot a little bit harder, right? (laughs) Pull out a toe hair or something. But we know that Jesus just had so much empathy and sympathy for all of us. I know that, I have a feeling that when he was thinking about the disciples that were going to leave him and abandon him, he probably felt sorry. He probably felt, he probably thought, my brothers, they're about to be so scared and so confused in a little bit. Peter. Ah, Peter. So impulsive, so emotional. Judas. Judas. After everything that we've been through, you're still so insecure. You still lack so much faith. <clears throat> and I can... I don't know about you guys, but can you relate to this? Yeah. Do you guys ever feel confused? Yeah. Scared? Do you guys sometimes be, uh, allow yourself to be led by your emotions instead of the Spirit? Do you... Can you fall into the trap of maybe seeking... Material security instead of eternal security? I know I can. And yet, Jesus loves us, right? And yet, he did what he did for us on the cross. Amen. So when we, you know, when, when we think about what he did for us, we have to remember also why he did it for us. You know, why, how he loved us so much. Even until his dying breath, Jesus is just there worried and just taking care of the people he loved, right? When he's on the cross, just dying. We know, studies have, have said that Jesus was so badly injured from the flogging and the beating that even if he wasn't crucified, he was going to die in a few hours. That's how bad he was injured. And yet, while he's in so much pain, he looks at his mom and he says, he's, he's like, Mom, take care of John. John, take care of my mom. He tells his dad, because I, f- I have a feeling that he probably felt his dad just kind of fuming. He's like, Dad, they don't know what they're doing. Please forgive them. This is the Jesus that we serve. Come on. All right. Come on. Yeah. All right. So let's just remember. Let's take care of each other. Yeah. Let's remember who we belong to. And why he did what he did. Right. right? He did it so that at the end of our race, for everyone who, who has endured, we're going to take our last breath. We're going to close our eyes. And when we open them, we're going to see him face to face. And he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Welcome home. Let's bow our head in prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you. We can never repay you what you did for us, sending your son to the cross to die for us. Help us always just be mindful of who it is we serve and who it is that we're supposed to emulate in this world. Help us forgive each other. Help us just have a pure heart and to honor you with our lives, honor you with our thoughts, our actions, and our words. Help us take care of your church, Father. Help us take care of each other. We know this is why you died for, Father. We're just so honored to be part of something special. We love you so much, Father. We're eternally grateful. It is in Jesus' name we pray.
0: Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.